This is Sportsnet Today with Logan Gordon on your official home of the Flames, Sportsnet 960 The Fan. Let's get things going on hour two. Fortunate today is live from the Doug Lacey's Basement Systems downtown studios here in Calgary, Alberta, Canada. I'm Logan Gordon, joined by my outstanding production, my production duo, Cam and Taylor, along with us as well. Hour one, lots of uh, NHL playoff talk with Peter Labardius. Little Calgary Wranglers roundup for you at a game three of their uh, second round series against the Abbotsford Canucks. And more to come here in hour two. We'll hear from Stan Peters head coach Dave Dickinson following their uh, successful 2023 CFL draft last night. Stan selecting wide receiver Cole Tucker with the fourth overall pick. He is uh, scheduled to join the Minnesota Vikings for a mini camp, but uh, could be an intriguing weapon for Jake Mayer and the Stan Peters offense this season. We'll dive into that uh, a little bit later on, but. Uh, Still to come on the program this afternoon, we will chat uh, all things Stanley Cup playoffs and a couple more game ones underway tonight, including the Edmonton Oilers and the Vegas Golden Knights, a Pacific Division showdown that gets going in Vegas tonight with game number one. To help us break that down, look at things from an Oilers perspective. Very happy to go down the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline this afternoon. Welcome to the producer and uh, occasional host of Oilers now on 630 Chad, also Host of uh, the Elks football in 630 chat. It is Brendan Escott joining us this afternoon. Uh, Brendan, how are you, man? Thanks for doing this. Yeah, my pleasure, Logan. We've been up on my airwaves a couple of times, and I always greatly appreciate that. So happy to uh, return the favor today. No, thank you. appreciate that very much. And uh, I imagine the excitement levels uh, are probably as close as it can be for an away game. I know you guys have been packing the stadium, even on those road games for Oilers uh, hockey in the playoffs. What's the excitement level like in Edmonton ahead of this game, uh, this round two matchup, I should say, against Vegas? Oh, man, the the vibe in this city. like For a regular season game on a Tuesday night, you can still catch a vibe in Edmonton. But right now, it's just absolutely maniacal. We've got three outdoor watch parties for the road games now, a family-friendly one and a tailgate party, and then the big one in the Ice District Plaza that everybody sees on the television. And, and so, I mean, it's hard to go anywhere in our city right now without seeing the banners and the decorations and it is genuinely a, a parade of people down there in that downtown core. So to me, this is sort of what the vision was when they were building the arena and building the ice district as a whole to, to revitalize Edmonton's downtown. You can't tell me they weren't looking and thinking 15,000 people all celebrating a hockey game on a Saturday night would be, uh, would be the ultimate goal here. So it, it's nice, Logan, to see that it's all come to fruition. And I know there was a couple of incidents that sort of shined a, a bit of a black eye on things, but they've made some adjustments. And I know that round two is going to be just as exciting to watch. Before we dive into this matchup against the Golden Knights, Brennan, take me back to the series against LA, the same opponent for the second straight year for the Oilers. This time they're able to get past uh, past the Kings in six games instead of seven. What went well for the Oilers in that series to them for them to get past LA in six this time? 
I think they persevered through some things that weren't going their way in the beginning of the series. I mean, there was a lot of, I guess, consternation directed towards the referees, but you find that in any series, right? So to me, it was just a a matter of biding their time until uh, things started to break their way. And the reason for that is because Los Angeles plays such a clamp down style of defense. It's really bizarre watching them just not forecheck you at all. They basically challenged Connor McDavid, who we know is the NHL's like premier puck carrier transporter. And he he could barely get through the bogged down neutral zone. So for the first few games of that series, when we knew that uh, his offense wasn't uh, as prevalent as, as it was in the regular season, all credit to Los Angeles for that. And uh, it was really Edmonton's power play that started to turn the series there when they started getting opportunities. And I mean, it's it's pretty, uh, (laughs) it's pretty remarkable that they'd shot up over 50% over the course of that whole series. So to me, that's where things really swung in Edmonton's favor. Talk to me about some of the the secondary scoring that this team's gotten, especially from a guy like Evan Bouchard, who I think you, you probably don't think of first when you think of the Oilers defense, especially when you've got, Darnell Nurse there, he's been the guy. He's got the contract in Edmonton. Matthias Ekholm came in as this big trade deadline acquisition. But it's kind of been Evan Bouchard getting things done, especially from an offensive standpoint on the back end for the Oilers, hey? Yeah, it's uh, it's been really impressive watching him grow for the last couple of months with the tutelage of of Matthias Ekholm. And, and I think what we saw lacking at the beginning of the season, Logan, was his his partnership or the support of the veteran Duncan Keith, who was really successful with him last year in, in helping sort of bring Bouchard through the NHL ranks. He looked a lot, uh, he looked lost, and he was uh, sort of the veteran presence on a pairing with himself and Philip Broberg in the beginning of the season. As soon as Matthias Ekholm joined this team and, and was able to sort of slot Bouchard into to where he was more comfortable you've got somebody to sort of put out the fires that a young defenseman can start and from there it's just been exponential growth power play was something that people were questioning when Tyson Berry was traded away for at home and Bouchard has absolutely quashed all of the squash those those uh, qualms and the power play percentage has actually increased it's been better with Bouchard instead of Berry directing it so let's look ahead to this series that starts tonight, Brennan. Uh, the season series goes the way of the Oilers against Vegas, 3-0-1 in four games, but the Golden Knights finish two points ahead of Edmonton and uh, thus have home ice advantage to start this series and anything to a potential Game 7. When you look back at the regular season matchups between these two teams, what do you remember from those Edmonton games that made them so successful to go 3-0-1? Well, I mean, it's a team in Vegas that took the fewest power or penalties in the in the entire season. So I don't look at the power play and think, well, they really dominated that. Um, they, Vegas has an older defense core, and they're a quality defense core. But to me, Edmonton's they can kill you with speed, as we know. So everything that Los Angeles did to mitigate Connor McDavid's speed, to me, Vegas defends differently. They've got different personnel. Alex Petrangelo is a great in-zone defender, but he's 33 years old, and we're talking about him and Alec Martinez trying to skate with uh, some of the best and shiftiest players in the world. So I think you know when you look at being able to expose goaltending and uh, and that sort of thing where it's not Logan Thompson in that 
It's not Jonathan Quick, and I'm not looking at Bur- uh, Bissouat to steal a, a series there in Vegas. So that's sort of been one of the, the wild cards coming into this series, and uh, it's. I just think these teams match up a little bit better. And you saw the three zero and one record, I guess, over the regular season, Logan. To me, um, this should be a, a, an easier go, I would think, in some respects, than it was against Los Angeles. I'm curious how much the Eichel versus McDavid storyline has permeated in Edmonton because, well, I think it's interesting and it's one of those cool facts that McDavid went one and Eichel went two. They're going to be big factors. We know that, but this isn't really a case of McDavid versus Eichel. Is it, Brendan? It's the Golden Knights versus the Oilers, right? Oh, it absolutely is. But in the media, why not make it a bit of a, a McDavid versus Eichel thing? And here's the thing. I asked the same question to uh, to Darren Millard yesterday on our show, and he hosts, uh, of course, Golden Knights television broadcast down there. And he said, they're not going to acknowledge it publicly, but absolutely this means something extra to Jack Eichel, who's sort of displayed a chip on his shoulder over the course of his career. And, and you know, they're, they're always going to be linked. They're forever linked in 2015, whether they like it or not. So uh, when Eichel signed here is what Millard said, when he signed in Vegas, this was part of the idea that maybe there is a chance one day for these two Pacific Division rivals to meet up in a, in a playoff setting. And, and now finally we get to see that. So, uh, again, I, I, he, he presents a different challenge because he's not the defensive uh, uh, challenge that Anze Kopitar is, for example, or Philip Deneau, who did a remarkable job on McDavid. But the offense versus offense here, I think, is going to be fun to keep an eye on for sure. Uh, from an Oilers perspective, we know the, the the big duo is going to be relied on for the majority of the scoring. That's just how it goes when you've got two superstars like McDavid and Dreisaitl. Who would you look for past those two to have a big impact in this series? Is there a guy that comes to mind when you're thinking, okay, if they need an extra goal here on the power play or in a key moment and it's not from Connor or Leon, this is going to be the guy that gets it done for Edmonton? Big-time regular season from Ryan Nugent Hopkins. A uh, bit of a quiet first round mm. there. So if you're asking me that, I think I'm looking at the Nuge and saying as somebody that plays the majority of his ice time with one of the superstars and then on that power play unit, of course. But I would have expected more from him in terms of his first round production there based on how successful of a regular season. He was the third guy on the team to get up over 100 uh, regular season points, as we know. So, yeah, he's a facilitator more so, um, but we've seen him with a killer shot this year, something he worked a lot on in the offseason and I think that when you're talking about going against the Golden Knights and one of the deepest rosters in the NHL, perhaps the deepest, you're going to need all of the production that you can get from your quote-unquote periphery guys and uh, when you're talking about the two best players in the world, Yes, Nugent Hopkins is on the periphery of that. But to me, that's who I'd like to see step up, really. Because we did get good performances out of Hyman and Kane overall in that opening round, but maybe quieter from the Nuge. How do you see the goaltending matchup in this one, uh, Brennan? I think it's interesting on both sides to see Laurent Brassois and Stuart Skinner, guys that, you know, have at different points had, you know, NHL experiences really being the first go-around for Stuart Skinner. Brassois seen it at different times, obviously being the the older, more experienced goaltender, but they're both going to be relied on for you know key games and key stops during this series. It's one of those ones where goaltending maybe not the strength of both teams, but will no doubt play a big factor in what happens over this seven-game series. Yeah, it's, I'm hearing it called a saw-off as if 
We're not talking about a Calder <laughs> Trophy candidate against a 29-year-old journeyman. Yeah. But if you look at the numbers, Logan, like Brassois has actually played very well for this team in the playoffs. Credit to defense, yes, but Brassois stepped in there and and he has taken the reins. Aiden Hill healthy healthy enough to play, and so is Jonathan Quick. And this is where they decided to go. Only got into ten regular season games, did Brassois. So um, I think we kind of know what we're getting, and I think if Vegas is going to get average goaltending. They're happy with that, right? Skinner didn't have the best first round, as we know. Uh, the, the glaring mistake, as we call it, but really it was a broken stick that, uh, that just yeah. cost them that game. Uh, but in reality, there was also some goals getting past him that we didn't see get past him in that opening round. So I like that he's gone through the adversity of that opening round series. He's the type of player who's a, a really quick study and, and you know having the luxury of listening to him in the media. He is so mature for a 24-year-old. He's mature for anybody in the NHL. So I have no doubt that he won't be derailed by that kind of thing. And with that in mind, I would give the edge in goaltending to the Oilers just because I watched what he was able to do over the course of a season here, and he doesn't seem the type to me where the moment's going to get too big, even though it is the second round of the playoffs and he's still just a rookie. Uh, a couple more with Brendan Escott, uh, 630 Ched, uh, host of Oilers now and uh, producer on the show as well. Brendan, uh, I'm curious from your perspective, when you look at Jay Woodcroft, do you see a difference in the coach from last year to this year? Has there been a change in, in tendencies for him early on, or is it a lot of the same things that made this group successful last year under him behind the bench? That's a really good question. I think first and foremost, the relationships he has with his players make him as successful as he is. I think he's very approachable, and and to me, he's today's coach, and we've seen that demonstrated over the course of the season with stuff like the Matt Berlin deal a few months ago, just getting him a couple minutes of ice time. He just seems to have a good pulse on things, but in terms of the X's and O's, uh, he, he doesn't really change a lot of that. I think the biggest thing for me is He's been a lot less uh, eager this year to go to the nuclear option, that being, of course, McDavid and Dreisaitl together. They've each shown an elite ability to drive their own line at this stage of their career, I would hope so. But, uh, you know, we only really saw them get combined when their back was really against the wall in uh, in Los Angeles. So it's it's a nice thing for him to have. But I think with the amount of depth on this roster, you're able to see him run 11 and seven, like he's, he's shown the propensity to do in the past. So I, I think he, he's got his, his ways of doing things. I would say his confidence as a coach is something that we hear in the media definitely has grown over the last year. Um, and why not? He's, he's got one of the highest winning percentages uh, ever for a coach. I think he had the highest actually for a coach in his first hundred games, certainly within the Oilers organization. Um, I like what he brings to the team, but as far as, you know, tweaking and that sort of thing, the power play, I think, is done a lot by the players. And, uh, and from there, you know, it's, it seems to be more hands-off than hands-on in terms of the X's and O's with Woodcroft. Uh, a bit of a curveball one for you here, but if Vegas wants to win this series, what has to happen? They have to stay out of the penalty box, and I know that's such a cop-out of an answer, but, uh, <laughs> it, like, it's... You can't. They just demonstrated yeah. that if this power play is given any opportunity, 
you know, it's it's functioned at just about sixty percent. I I don't know what, I don't know how to make a stronger case than yeah. that to be disciplined. But again, Vegas was the most disciplined team. You got to keep your legs moving. That's how you stay out of the penalty box. So I think if Vegas, uh, you know, get a good forecheck in on Edmonton and make the defense uncomfortable for some of the turnovers that we've seen Darnell Nurse make and and uh, and Evan Bouchard prone to, I think that that's probably where you'll see Vegas capitalize the most is with a, a hard forecheck and staying out of the box. <laughs> uh, and last but not least, I know you do uh, plenty of elk stuff up at 630 Chet as well. Draft yesterday uh, and uh, a couple weeks away from getting CFL stuff under the way. I'm sure Oilers is the big focus for everybody in Edmonton right now, but uh, how is it feeling for an elk's perspective to have a couple draft picks in the bin and now ready to get going in a couple weeks? Yeah, Chris Jones is such a unique character here, head coach of the team, right? I mean, you get uh, the second overall pick in the global draft yesterday morning, and he uses it on a 36-year-old place kicker that spent four years uh, playing soccer at Florida Tech. So just, you know, that's... That's Chris Jones for you. Yeah. Um, as far as what they did in the draft, they have added a lot of pieces that I think are going to factor into the special teams in particular. They did quite a, a bit of work in free agency adding Geno Lewis. I think that's uh, going to be a big piece of, of Edmonton and their sort of resurgence here as they try to win a game on home field, Logan. That is the promise this year. We will see them win a game on home field. And uh, and I like the pieces that they've put in place to do so. I think they supplemented really well in the draft. And we know the CFL draft is one of those things where not a lot of guys are going to step right out of that and play right away. So maybe expect to see uh, Michael Broderick as the, the uh, quarter, or rather linebacker that they went with second overall in the actual draft. And uh, he'll likely be flying around out there on uh, on the special teams unit. Looking forward to it. Uh, still plenty of playoff hockey to get to in Edmonton, but uh, CFL right around the corner, and uh, always a fun time when that gets going. Brendan, appreciate the time, man. Thank you for hopping on with us and giving us a little bit of a, a preview for the Oilers and the Golden Knights. Enjoy the game. Enjoy the series. We'll chat with you again sometime soon, eh? All right. Sounds good. Thanks again for the invite, Logan. Appreciate it, man. No problem. Take care. Brendan Escott joining us on the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline. Oilers now on 630 Ched, also a host of Elks Football on the 630 Ched as well. And, uh, yes, Oilers and Golden Knights. Game one tonight from Vegas. Mentioned that season series in four games. Oilers 3-0-1, but the Golden Knights finishing uh, with 111 points and uh, a 4-1 series win over the uh, Winnipeg Jets to get here. Oilers with a 4-2 series win against the uh, Los Angeles Kings to get to this point, and we will see what happens tonight. Uh, Elliot Friedman. Uh, from Hockey Night in Canada, NHL Insider, uh, just bringing this down a couple minutes ago. Bruce Cassidy saying that Mark Stone, Braden McNabb, and Shea Theodore, all good to go for tonight's game. That's a huge uh, positive. They've been dealing with some injuries. Uh, but with some extra time off, uh, sounds like they've been good to go and they've been cleared for tonight's game. You can watch it on Sportsnet and CBC. 7.30 puck drop, but uh, you can always expect that to be pushed back just a little bit. Uh, depending on how long the first game of the night goes. That's the Devils and the Canes. That one set for a 5 o'clock puck drop. Uh, Oilers, man, look, good team here. I think Brendan you know, nailed it when he said it's got to come down to staying out of the, the power play uh, if you're Vegas. Stay away from that as much as you can. It's, it's cliche. It's boring, but the, there's just too much damage done by those top guys. And now a guy like Evan Bouchard, who had 10 points of his own, in that series against Los Angeles, you can't give them those kind of opportunities. If this is a series that's played 
majority five on five. I, I think you like the the Golden Knights chances as much as anybody's against the Oilers, but it's just how do you stay out of the penalty box? How do you deal with the officiating and try to not find yourself in that uh, disadvantaged spot? We'll see what they can do. Uh, the Kings didn't learn their lesson at some times. It cost them, and uh, the Golden Knights, however, are a much different team. They've been to the playoffs uh, on a pretty consistent basis. And, Taylor, I think you mentioned it yesterday. Seems like a team that's kind of got a chip on their shoulder from last year and not making the playoffs. And Jack Eichel and Mark Stone, these guys that want to prove themselves in the postseason, and good chance to do that if you could knock off the Oilers in this series. If this is this is the time for them. They they have that chip on their shoulder. They need to prove that they are still the Vegas Golden Knights of the years past. And <laughs> yeah, that last year, years. all of those wonderful many years. But that last year, they need to prove that last year was just a fluke for themselves and just kind of for the rest of the NHL. I'm excited to see this from a Vegas perspective. And yes, we do get Eichel versus McDavid, the... First and second overall picks in the 2015 draft. But, you know, Eichel, five points in five games. That's pretty good. Golden Knights were led by Mark Stone and Chandler Stevenson with eight points apiece in that series against Winnipeg. William Carlson, still one of those guys that's performing at a pretty high level. And you can't, you know, obviously go very long talking about Vegas without mentioning Alex Petrangelo, the one-time Blues captain, who will... No doubt get a heavy dose of uh, Connor McDavid. He averaged 25-53 of time on ice in that round one series. That's uh, almost four minutes clear of any other Vegas defender. So he's the guy to watch for. He's the guy that they will lean on from a defensive side of things when it comes to trying to shut down McDavid and Dreisaitl. Take a break. Come back on the other side. Finish off the hour hearing from Stampeders head coach and now GM Dave Dickinson following his first draft as a GM for the Stamps. That was last night. Uh, we'll hear from him and see how he feels about his first draft class as general manager. That's next on Sportsnet 960, The Fan. You're listening to Sportsnet Today with Logan Gordon on the home of the Flames, Sportsnet 960, The Fan. This is our two Sportsnet Today rolling on on a Wednesday. Two games in the NHL playoffs tonight. Game one. Hurricanes, Devils from Carolina, from Raleigh, North Carolina. Oilers, Golden Knights, 7.30 puck drop from Las Vegas. Gets both of them on the Sportsnet television networks. We'll, uh, of course, uh, react to those matchups tomorrow on the program. But uh, Wranglers hockey taking over your radio tonight. Pre-game We'll say 7.30 tonight with Garrett and Assam. And uh, the one and only Sandra Persina on the call tonight from Abbotsford Center. Can the Calgary Wranglers close out this best of five series against the Abbotsford Canucks? They were 4-2 and two in six visits to Abbotsford during the regular season. They can move on to the Pacific Division Finals with a victory tonight. Wanted to uh, flash back to earlier this morning, part of uh, the fourth hour of the big show, Patrick Dumas had an opportunity to sit down and chat with uh, Calgary Stampeders general manager and head coach Dave Dickinson following the 2023 CFL draft. 
The Calgary Stampeders selected eight players in the draft, including first-round selection Cole Tucker, who was selected fourth overall, a receiver out of Northern Illinois. Uh, he is scheduled to head to Vikings minicamp over the next week, but uh, should he not get an NFL opportunity, uh, could be a massive weapon for the Calgary Stampeders. Uh, this was also the first draft for head coach Dave Dickinson as the GM of the team. He, of course, took over that title from John Huffnagel uh, during the offseason, so he had the reins for his first ever draft and uh, sat down with Patrick Dumalo earlier on the big show to discuss uh, the process of his first draft and uh, go through the 2023 draft class for the Calgary Stampeders. Just a few uh, weeks out from rookie camp and training camp beginning for the Calgary Stampeders. Here is that conversation with the head coach and general manager, Dave Dickinson. Dave, thank you for uh, taking some time to talk with me this morning. How are you doing? I'm doing good. It's been a long day yesterday, oh, yeah. but uh, a good day as well. Now, how was uh, your uh, the first uh, draft as GM? What was that experience like for you? Well, it was a bit crazy because uh, we did the global draft uh, yep. at 9 in the morning, and um, you know we put a lot of time into that as well. Uh, not as much as the Canadian because it's only two rounds, but we, we definitely did our due process. And and then you just kind of hang around all day thinking you might get some phone calls or if anyone wants to make any trades yeah. or, you know, and then you, you start kind of honestly going a little crazy about if your guy is going to be there and what are the other teams going to do. And and then once it gets going, it's actually the first couple rounds are kind of slow, you know, they're, mm-hmm. uh, you're just kind of waiting, especially we only had the one pick. But once the third round kicks in, it goes pretty fast and uh, kind of see your team shape up. And, um, you know, I think most – people should be happy with their draft if you're not you're not doing a very good job because yeah <laughs> pick the guys that are graded on highly on your board so those are what we did well talk about your first round pick uh wide receiver colt tucker out of northern illinois 6'2, 195 mom's canadian he got his citizenship uh to better his chances at probably playing possibly playing at the at the next level he got an invite from the vikings to take part in their camp uh one of the top receivers on the board so he'll have some options this summer but what do you like in colt tucker here yeah, well, you're right. I think uh, you know Jared Wayne is a, was a kind of the top on most people's yeah. boards, but he got a couple hundred thousand to go down to Houston in the mm-hmm. NFL. Uh, we just felt Cole would fit the Canadian game. Uh, he's he's smart. He's he's tough. Uh, he's a good route runner. He has really good hands. Uh, kind of to me, his family matters. Um, you know, like I just believe that he's been raised. Uh, you know, uh, don't know his parents, but in a competitive environment. Mm-hmm. But yet you can tell sports matters and. Everything we when we talked to him and what we saw in film uh, led us to believe that he was a top receiver prospect that we would see this year, and uh, we certainly wanted to get one of those guys. How like, with him uh, attending Minnesota Vikings uh, camp, he'll miss the he'll miss mini camp, he'll miss or he'll miss rookie camp, he'll miss training camp for you guys. How are how are you going to be planning for Cole? Uh, obviously, we we obviously love to see guys succeed in the NFL, but for your team as well, you want to see him compete and and possibly start for you here in the next few years. Yeah, I mean, uh, we we do look at like odds and stuff like that, and we mm-hmm. do wish him well. We we yeah. hope he makes it. Uh, we yeah. you know it, really we do because you don't want to wish you want to let everybody take their shot yeah. at it. That is you know the NFL is the big dog, but it's it's really a minute uh, percentage that actually gets through these rookie mini camps. Mm-hmm. Probably five or less than five percent uh, actually get signed for their regular uh, type of uh, mm-hmm. or, uh, camp. Uh, which some of the other guys got. So um, we are, you know, odds are with us that we'll see him soon. Um, 
his weekend that he's there is uh, obviously uh, uh, two weekends, so it's not this weekend, but next one, which means he uh, falls into our rookie camp he'll miss. But he'll be back in time. And okay. the, the reason we were comfortable with that was because he, he's so smart. Like, you could tell he knows the game and he can talk the game. I think he'll pick it up and, and things will go smooth once he gets here. The rest of the draft uh, had a few picks. He didn't have one in the second round, but the third round you got defensive lineman uh, Quadwo Bohan. Out of, he's a Calgarian, played at Bishop McNally, uh, went up, played his college ball at U of A. What do you like in, in his style of game? Well, we, we brought Quadwo in, uh, you know, and just to talk. Uh, you know, I feel like he's still really young. Um, he he actually was at York before U of A, and yep. we've got a ton of York guys, you know, Luther and Daniel, and, mm-hmm. and then Colton's a little older than him, but um, he felt like this was the spot he was hoping he could get to and uh, really liked his – he really had some quickness, and uh, he's young. He's he's 275 pounds, but I believe he's got an easy 20 that he can put on and, and really become a major factor on the inside. So he's got a lot of work to do, and uh, he looked hungry. Great great person to be around. I think he's going to be a great teammate. So uh, we didn't think he'd be there at that point. Yeah. Um, we were happy to get him. Uh, no, you got you got three pass catchers in this draft. You got Clark Barnes in the fourth round, Sebastian Howard, the the tight end out of uh, in the sixth round out of St. Mary's, and uh, he's overcame. Uh, we I've read about his story last night. He's had quite the upbringing, uh, and now a member of the Calgary Stampeders. And then in the eighth round, your final pick, you took Lucas Robertson. Uh, obviously, like the tight end role in the CFL game isn't really a, a prominent role. But what do you like? The, what are you thinking most? Like Sebastian Howard, he's the guys. He's got like some weird, freaky. He's got a, an athlete written all over him. And then uh, yeah. Clark Barnes. Barnes is a guy, you know, can get drawn comparisons to another Guelph guy like uh, Keen Schaefer Baker, who was found late in the late in the CFL draft as well. Yeah, there is something that you know, uh, you know there seems to be the receivers out of Guelph do a great job yeah. in the CFL and don't necessarily have big stats um, in the college ranks. Um, we think Clark's a player. Um, we just got to get the best out of him. One thing I'm excited is I think. A guy like Nick Lewis working with Clark is going to be it's been great for us. It's going to it's going to give him a mentor, but it's also going to push him and and get him to understand what a pro needs to be like. And then the other two guys we we lay them tight end, but they're going to be playing fullback. Um, okay. For us, we've got two solid fullbacks, but they're both you know nine, ten year vets mm-hmm. uh, that we never know you know how many more years they want to play or how their bodies will react. So we felt we had to. Uh, get one that, uh, and let's let two guys compete to see who can make yeah. the team and and uh, and give us that competition because we feel real confident with Will Langley and Charlie uh, Charlie Power. So they are, and in, in you know football is a tough sport when you're in your 30s, and uh, that's why we felt we let's get a couple young guys that have different skill sets. You know, like say Sebastian is is a freak athlete but hasn't played as much. Um, and, and when we're talking more on Lucas Robertson, he's he's got really good hands, but he's he's got to you know learn how to kind of mm-hmm. play in the in with the big boys. So we don't have a ton of information on either one of them, uh, just because we we saw him on film. But it's it's not like we've we've seen him with our eyes compete a, a, against a pro athlete. So that'll be a great battle in rookie camp. You mentioned the global draft went uh, earlier yesterday morning. Uh, you came away with the two picks. So lineman Isaac Moore from Sweden, just wrapping up his time at Temple. Five years starter, 57 starts. I believe that would have was that's that's pretty good. Uh, and then uh, linebacker <laughs> out of uh, out of Germany, uh, Lino Schroeder, uh, played with the Cologne Crocodiles, 22 uh, last year's uh, special teams player of the year, also a German league all star, uh, but played his high school ball in the States before uh, returning home. What what stood out the most from from these two? 
Well, I think I think in Canadians we need to realize there is some really good football in Germany. I think yeah. when you look over oh, yeah. in Europe, if you're gonna if you're gonna look at the, the the best the quality of football, you go to Germany. And Lino's young, and I really think he would have stood out as a special team candidate in the CFL draft. I think he would have got mm-hmm. drafted high. Um, so he for us was our big body special team type guy that should come in and compete. Uh, the flip side with eyes, I mean, we like our Temple tackles. That's Derek Dennis yep. as well as yep. a, is a Temple tackle and. Played a bunch of games, does need to improve on his technique. He's also going to an NFL uh, rookie minicamp. So as like Cole, good prospect, good talent. They just don't bring people into those that they don't think mm-hmm. can play. Um, so we'll be following him as well. And then, you know, the kicker of our whole, our whole draft is, you know, we didn't have a second-round pick because we took T.J. Ram last year in the supplemental. Yep. And if you think about it, T.J. is a first-round talent in this year's draft. So, yeah, we feel like yeah, he did uh he did have a good chance to to play and and got hurt a bit last year, but that's another young player that we really think uh can kind of get framed in this draft class and gives us a a really good balance of what we draft and and what's going to be here for camp. What's your feel on the global draft? I know some teams have been uh, more more frequent to use their players uh more re- like uh, sooner rather than later, but it's just another avenue for talent, right? Well, I mean, when we extended Cody Grace, you know, it kind of took us out of the market for punter kicker. Uh, and that's what's, what the, a lot of the other teams yeah. used their picks on. But, you know, we got Cody for this year and next year. And I have a feeling, you know, as long as he's not in the NFL, he's loving life up here and he's he's going to be our guy. So for us, it gives us a chance to maybe branch out and find some other players, some different types of players. And, it, you know, listen, they're at a little bit of a disadvantage. You know, they, mm-hmm. they are considered, a, yeah, their own category. But in theory, if they play offense or defense, they've got to beat out an American. And, and that is a tough battle because they're new to the game. It's the same thing in anything else when we have a ratio for a reason with Canadians. is because sometimes you got to give them that opportunity opportunity to let them grow into position. The Globals don't have that advantage, mm-hmm. um, but that's the reality of our league, so let's let's make the best of it. There are some great athletes out there in the world. Obviously, there's five Canadians that got shows to the NFL draft, so they're yeah. looking everywhere, and we're going to be looking, too. We want these guys, and they're great people. They're hungry, and they want to be part of the Canadian Football League, which is which to me is uh, that's, uh, that's exciting. That's, uh, those are the type of teammates I want. Yeah, exactly. And you mentioned the five Canadians go in the NFL draft. Obviously, it's great to see Canadians pursue their dreams of playing in the NFL, like you, like you mentioned earlier. Uh, does does seeing knowing those guys like Matthew Bergeron was the first one off the off the board uh, to, uh, to the Atlanta Falcons? Is does do the, seeing that you you obviously know ahead of time that these guys are going to be NFL draft picks? Does that affect your draft board a, a little bit? Like I, I know these guys, they'll go later in the rounds. But do, do you like to go after these guys that uh, might have some NFL? aspirations first you know we used to we used to pick them more and it hasn't worked for us yeah. um, we, we've had too many guys not come up you know and the negative is even when they do come up sometimes they're beat up mm-hmm. you know the reason mm-hmm. they're not staying down there is for injuries and so yeah we were thinking of maybe looking in the late rounds just to throw a flyer I mean we have Chuba Hubbard and yep. Amen Agbagmamega that are still out down in the NFL um you know, we, but it really hasn't played out for us. So we decided more this year. Hey, uh, unless there's just someone that doesn't fit our team, let's let's get guys that we think we can work with and we can see this year. And 
we did uh, we picked a kicker that we fully expect uh, to come in and battle, but go back to school because uh, we got Renee in the in yep. the building, and so for us that's kind of a futures pick and something that uh, gives us a little mm-hmm. bit of chance to to plan for the future. But we're hopeful Renee just and you know he's got his first year being a kicker and a fireman, but so we wanted to yep. make sure we have a little bit of an insurance. But though that's really was kind of more of our futures pick this year was was the kicker at Ottawa. Uh, a signing you made uh, just before, made in late late April, uh, Nick Taylor. This is a guy who uh, played with Winnipeg last year. He spent some time with Ottawa and Edmonton as well. Uh, been pretty good with the Bombers. Coming off a torn, uh, torn Achilles, he suffered late uh, last season. What, what do you like about his game, and how's his recovery been? Yeah, well, we like his game. He's been he plays well against us. Yeah. He's uh, you know they're they've had a hell of a defense and uh, and I think he's been a leader. He's not young. He's thirty five years old. Mm-hmm. Uh, he didn't start. He's a basketball player, and so he really didn't start playing football until the mid twenties. So wow. uh, I just I, I got a feel that he was hungry and he wanted to give it a shot. And you know I think he's pushing to be a starter. Uh, you know as long as his health and what I've seen on film and what I've seen of him as a player. Uh, I think he's going to be pushing to start and um, great battle. It doesn't hurt. Uh, he's got that winning pedigree coming from Winnipeg. Uh, let's see how it mixes with our guys. Yeah. But uh, I think we should, we're, we, you know, we're going to have some really good competition in that back end uh, in training camp. And and I'm, I'm hopeful that Nick is himself because it is, uh, you know, I definitely can see him, uh, you know, winning the starting job. Talking with Dave Dickinson, Calgary Stampeders, general manager and head coach. Uh, you're playing football this month. The draft's now in the books. How was the off season? I mean, I'm sure it was a lot busier than your, your past off season. It was busier. It was. It was good. It was like, to be honest, once this draft's over, you kind of take a deep breath. And yeah. then used to be in the past, you'd have three or four weeks to kind of structure your roster, you know, get your, your training camp yeah. talks together, your video together for the guys. But it's... The year's gotten pushed farther and farther up, and uh, you know I know I hear from a lot of fans that started earlier and earlier. But you can see some of our players aren't even available to come up for camp. Yeah. Uh, so we got to be careful. I think we've kind of hit the the max of where we can start earlier, and the draft needs to be after the NFL draft. That's yeah. that's for 100%. sure because we don't want to lose our guys. And and so when it goes like this, it's really you take a deep breath, you throw your your information on the board, you get a plan for for rookie camp, and. The weather's good, you know. Mm-hmm. It's it mm-hmm. really is. It for us is exciting. We had the first preseason game on the 22nd yeah. here at McMahon, and uh, we've got a fan fest going on at the same time in the morning and after. Uh, we really feel like we've kind of changed our footprint in the city with Jay McNeil coming on yes. board. We're excited to see what the fans, how they respond, and uh, we want to go out there and, and put a, a exciting winning performance on that field. Yeah, I think the fans are really excited to see a former great like Jay McNeil come back and work with the organization. Another uh, fan favorite and former Stampeder great, uh, named the newest receivers coach, uh, Nick Lewis. How's he uh, acclimating himself back in Calgary? Good. I mean, he's done well, and he's, you know what, he he probably didn't need to get back into coaching, but uh, he had the one year at BC, and obviously it didn't go the way they wanted, Mm -hmm. and I think he's hungry. I think he kind of wants to prove, you know, that was an anomaly, and I did fan forum there, and I obviously Nick and then John Simpson, another one of my new coaches yes. that has great history here. Man, they got the biggest applause out of all of the coaches. <laughs> so it's the, the the people know them, but of course. they're both not only solid people, smart. That's why they're so good as a player. 
I like the way they're going to relate to our guys. I can already tell just by conversations uh, the guys are enjoying working with them. But it is important, hey, they take the next steps and become, uh, you know, take their coaching to the next level. And that's, that's you know, my job to keep the kind of coaching the coaches. So um, happy to get Nick back. I've always loved having Nick around. He's got great energy, mm-hmm. but he's really – people didn't realize how smart a football player he was. Um, he would actually point sometimes to another receiver, tell the quarterback where to throw it. He knows he's covered, and he knows he knows. Hey, you should throw it over there. Guy knows what he's talking about, so we're excited to have him back. Uh, you, you mentioned the the fan fest will be uh, bookmarking or a book. Sorry, bookending the, the 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 preseason game there on Victoria Day against the Elks. Uh, was another event that's taken on this year will be uh, in August. You guys will honor the the, the 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 club will honor the '98 championship team, a team you were a member of. Uh, you know, it's still got some time before that happens. But what what will you think that will be? That's going to be a great scene at McMahon. Yeah, Jeff I mean, Garcia I was back for too. The, uh, uh, I mean, I didn't participate in the 92 reunion team a few years ago. Um, I wasn't on that team, but the 98 yeah. is fun. I mean, I, a lot of the same guys, and not a, not a lot, I guess, but it seems like those same core guys that I showed. I showed up in 96, so these are kind of the guys that I've, I've you know, the glory years. Mm-hmm. And, and Jay McNeil's part of that, yeah. which is awesome. But I've been talking with some other guys, and I, I don't talk on a regular basis with Jeff Garcia, but we text, and, uh, you know, him locking in to be here will be awesome. And, but it'll be a good opportunity, you know, just honestly, you probably there's going to be five, six, ten guys that I, I remember, but I don't. You know, we're all mm-hmm. going to probably be limping out on the field <laughs> or we're going to have no hair. Uh, but this is the, you know, the best times of our lives. So I'm excited to get them back and, and just to kind of honor. That was a hell of a game. That was a hell of a game. Oh, come down to the last kick with Mark McLaughlin who had lost his father mm-hmm. earlier that year and had a really rough year. It's probably his worst year kick and to drill it right through the middle. So uh, we needed it too. It was one of those things where our, our club uh, felt like we were close but never never were able to get that job done previous few years. So that was a big win for the club. And uh, thoughts on, on the new look, uh, some retro vibes. I you know, saw a little bit of that last year with the home jersey, but now bringing it over to the road and, of course, the classic black uh, outlaw third jersey. You guys are going to be looking good out there. <laughs> I'm probably not the one to ask on uni. Yeah. I mean, I'm not great on it. I did like the white face masks. I did. I, I think that looks good. I like I like the, the away game. Uh, uni may be a little tighter, but... Yeah. Um, you know what, Geo George Hopkins, he's the guy in charge. He he looks at it. He 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 certainly does have tradition and history that he wants to honor and be part of the Calgary Stampeders, which is great. I mean, how many more years we'll keep that, I don't know. But that is, for him, a big factor in when he develops this. And he had the greatest helmet in the history of pro sports a few years back when he morphed the black into yes. the red with the silver horse. Yeah. That was him. So uh, I'm going to leave the fashion choices and how, <laughs> how good we look with Gio, and he's he's done great with that through the years. Well, it's I, I can tell you this. It's one of the best looks in the league for sure, and uh, I can't wait to see you guys out there. Uh, in a few uh, in a few weeks, you'll be playing your first preseason game. Of course, uh, mini uh, the rookie camp uh, opening up on the tenth. Uh, Dave, thank you so much for taking time out of your morning. Uh, we'll do this again very soon. We'll see you down at McMahon. Hey, that works. Thanks for having me on. No guys, problem. Uh, have a good weekend. There you go, head coach and general manager of the Calgary Stampeders, Dave Dickinson, with Patrick Dumas a little bit earlier on on the big show. Stampeders with eight selections in the 2023 CFL draft last night, including first uh, round selection. And fourth overall pick, Cole Tucker, wide receiver out of Northern Illinois. And yes, Cole, uh, with an opportunity to make some noise at Vikings minicamp. Uh, but should he not get an NFL opportunity, could be a major weapon uh, with that uh, Canadian status now 
uh, for Jake Mayer. He was a massive, uh, he put up some massive numbers in Northern Illinois, was projected to be the best receiver in this draft, and that Canadian status uh, helps the Calgary Stampeders to selecting him at fourth overall. And like I said, then you heard Dave there. Hope all for the best. Hope he gets that shot in the NFL. But if he doesn't, uh, a spot for him here in Calgary over the next couple of weeks to join the Calgary Stampeders and get set for what should be a great season of football at McMahon Stadium is certainly in his cards as well. And uh, don't look now, but uh, the calendar flipping over to May. We are just a few weeks away from being at McMahon Stadium for the first preseason game of the season. 19 days away from the Elks and the Stampeders. 2 p.m. kickoff at McMahon Stadium for uh, the Calgary Stampeders' first of two preseason games. Uh, rookie camps coming up, training camp following it, fan fest, all of that to get to. Uh, don't worry about it. We'll have all of your Calgary Stampeders coverage right here on Sportsnet 960. The fan will uh, be bringing you the game content, stamps reports, all that good stuff throughout the season. Really looking forward to it. Remember, uh, Calgary Stampeders' home opener for the regular season, uh, June 9th. BC Lions in town to take on Jake Mayer and the Calgary Stampeders. And like you mentioned at the end there, they're going to be looking pretty good here. If you haven't checked out those new uniforms already, they debuted them uh, a couple weeks ago ahead of the draft. New look for the team. No more black except for on Labor Day. Just sticking with the traditional red and white look. The helmets now for um, for game days. Just a red with a white face mask. It's a classic look. Stampeders always with some of the best uniforms across the CFL. And that continues this year. And I like I like the black being just a Labor Day thing for this team. Those are already some of the best uh, looks in the CFL, and they'll continue to do that this season. So thanks again to uh, Patrick Dumas and uh, Dave Dickinson for joining us a little bit earlier on down the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline. we got lots coming for you today. Stay tuned uh, once we wrap up things here. We'll hand things over to uh, Haley Salvian for Hockey Central 960. She's got you for the next hour. We will take the Hockey PDO cast with Dmitry Filipovich this afternoon. Flames talk with Steinberg and Vickers. More fallout from the Daryl Sutter firing earlier this week. Potential GM options. The guys will go through all of that and more. Uh, and then later tonight, Calgary Wranglers on your radio. We've uh, got Sandra in Abbotsford ready to go for the game. Game three in this best of five series goes tonight. 7.30 Wranglers pregame show. 8 o'clock, uh, puck drop from Abbotsford Center. The Flame, uh, the Wranglers can eliminate the Abbotsford Canucks in three games and move on to the Pacific Division Final with a win. We'll have all that coverage for you right here on Sportsnet 9, 60 The Fan. We will break that all down for you tomorrow, however. Thank you for uh, joining us live or on the podcast today. Thank you to Mount Standing Producers Cam and Taylor. Uh, Cam, I'm sorry about earlier. It's fine. It's fine. Played a little, a little joke on my, on my producer, and I'll, maybe we'll discuss it tomorrow when he's not here. He's maybe. very upset. He is pretty upset. Maybe I owe him a sandwich. Hmm. Maybe not. We'll see. Uh, thank you for being outstanding producers, doing a great job on the show as always. Uh, thank you to Lou, Peter Labardius, and uh, Brendan Escott for joining us on the program today. We will be back tomorrow. We'll react to the Oilers and the Golden Knights, the Canes and the Devils and the Wranglers and the Canucks on a Thursday edition of Sportsnet Today. That's coming your way tomorrow. You're on Sportsnet 960 The Fan.